This is episode number 13 with Kevin Bronson. Welcome to the I Love Music podcast. My name is Jen Fedor. I started the I Love Music podcast to inspire people who love music, encourage people who work within the industry, and to hear each person's unique story. If you like what you are hearing, please subscribe via iTunes and like I Love Music podcast on social media. For this episode, I got to interview Kevin Bronson. Kevin has covered the LA music scene for over 15 years. He has written for the LA Times to creating his own digital blog, Buzz Bands LA. One thing I love about Kevin is that on any given night, you can run into him at various venues across Los Angeles. He hops from the Echo to the Satellite to the Bootleg Theater to check out up-and-coming artists and to get a wider perspective of the LA music scene. If you haven't been yet, visit his website, buzzbands.la. Here's my interview with Kevin Bronson. Remember at the Satellite, the Satellite uh, Christmas party? Only vaguely. (laughs) And we connected on Steak and Shake. Do you remember our Steak and Shake conversation? My first job as a teenage boy. <laughs> and I, I My wore... first proper job, besides being a paper boy, yes, yes. was at Steak and Shake on North Adams Street in the industrial core of Peoria, Illinois, my hometown. And um, would I be dating myself if I told you how much minimum wage was in those days? No, no, I don't think so. Okay, because minimum wage was $1.75 an hour when, wow. I st- when I started work there yeah. as a junior in high school. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, wow. I mean, I worked at Steak and Shake as well uh, during college, though. It wasn't my first you job. You probably looked a lot better in the bow ties than I did. <laughs> how, did you, how did you make your way out to Los Angeles? As most people who make their way to places. I took the long way. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, uh, I moved uh, out of my, I didn't move out of my hometown until the early 1980s. And during the course of the 1980s, I moved from Illinois to, to Missouri, to Colorado, to upstate New York, to Pasadena, California, to St. Louis, and back to Southern California all between 1982 and 1990. Wow. You went, you went everywhere. There were a lot of miles on my little Ford cars <laughs> that I drove in those days. I drove a Ford Pinto and then, yeah. and then upgraded to a Ford Escort. That's how, <laughs> that's how big money I was. How did, why, did you, why did you make so many moves? What, what was... What was happening? It was all in the interest of furthering the career. Yeah. Um, you go to where the next good job is. And I worked my way up from small newspapers to medium-sized newspapers to eventually the big newspaper. That's awesome. Um, what got you interested in writing um, back then? How did, how did you discover? That's all I ever wanted to do. There's a, yeah. there, was a silly, there was a silly interview that... A staffer that appeared in my hometown paper. Um, it's a long story, but one of the reporters at my hometown paper, who eventually became my friend when I was an adult, yeah. um, interviewed me when I was maybe 11 years old or something okay. like that. She had occasion to interview me because she, she thought I made 
a cute feature story or something like that. Okay. And I told her in those uncertain terms in that story when I was 11 years old that I wanted to be a newspaper man. I wanted to be a journalist and that's what I would do. And it happened. How did you decide to start writing about music? What, what drew you to, to music? Well, I was always drawn to music, but yeah. um, I didn't really make the decision to write about it. I fell into oh. it by accident. The, okay. the first 21 years of my newspaper career, I was a sports writer and sports editor. At, in fact, at every one of those stops um, that I mentioned earlier, I yeah. was either sports editor of a, of a small town paper or a sports writer at a larger paper. So okay. I, moved, I was in sports until, um, until the mid-1990s okay. when I was working for the Los Angeles Times. And I eventually segued in the early 2000s into entertainment journalism, kind of by accident. Um, and I had an opportunity to write the local music column for the Times because I was an editor for the section that that column ran in okay. and they couldn't find anybody else to do it. Wow. So, so I kind of volunteered and it kind of became my passion project. It was not my day job. I was never a star writer for the Times. I was more of a behind the scenes editor. I liked working with other writers, mm -hmm. trying to help make their stuff better and all that, and I never had any aspirations to be a writer. Um, I just kind of fell into it by accident, and it was something I did like once a week. Okay. On my own time. Yeah. Out, outside of the purview of my day job. So, people seem to uh, enjoy that local music column in the Times. And so for the, uh, <clears throat> the seven years that I did it, it was kind of accidentally what I became known for. You yeah. know, after I stopped working for the Times in 2008, yeah. um, I was bored. My ego actually listened to a couple people who told me how much they missed the Buzz Bands column. Yeah. And so I started a website with that name and uh, the rest is history. I'm not sure what kind of history, but it's history. I've been doing the website for eight, for eight years now Eight, eight plus years, yeah, and um, it's been quite an adventure. So, what's one of your first memories about music? Is there is is there an artist that sticks out, like growing well, I, up or in your teenage years? Well, I you know I grew up in the '60s and '70s on the music that was popular in that time. Yeah, mostly mostly AM radio, so my tastes were very mainstream, and I you know. I was never in, involved, if you can consider what I do now involved, I was never involved in music other than being a fan yeah, and kind of an avid collector and sponge, mm -hmm. um, you know, until, until later in my life. So, I mean, my f the first concert I went to, I think, was um, sometime in the mid-1970s. You'd have to look it up on his website to find out when exactly, but it was Jackson Brown at, yeah. at the uh, Assembly Hall at the University of Illinois. That was a, that was a big deal. Some, sometime in the sometime in the early to mid seventies, that was my that was my first uh, first big concert experience. Um, but I had a lot of favorites. I mean, you know, we had our we had our hometown hero, um, a singer songwriter by the name of Dan Fogelberg, who 
um, some of your older listeners might. Who, yeah, who, who, yeah, who. I don't, I, don't know I don't know. I don't think I know who he is. Uh, you would probably recognize a lot of his mainstreamy hits okay. from adult album alternative radio um, uh, over the years. He okay. was, a, you know, he was a fantastic, uh, fantastic singer, songwriter. Uh, I was, who passed away a few years ago, too young. Um, and uh, he was actually recently, in, in December, the New York Times had a nice little piece on Dan because of the, uh, because of the holiday song he wrote called Un Old Another Old Lang Syne. Oh, okay. <laughs> About running into a about running into a girlfriend an, an old an ex girlfriend at a grocery store on New Year's Eve and um, and spending some time drinking and talking to her and reminiscing about the past. It's a sappy nostalgic song that yeah. that rings very true with me because that grocery store is right in my neighborhood and I used to walk by it every day on the way to high school and that's cool. Um, so I so I know the setting. Yeah. And and Dan Fogelberg went graduated from my high school for four years four years ahead of me. Okay. Um, and you know, so he was our local hero. We had local heroes we could we could root for. We had a fine AM radio station. Um, you know, and where, wherever I moved across the country, I would always try to. I was a music, I was a music fiend. Yeah. And fortunately, I ended up in southern in Southern California, where um, where there's a lot more to choose from, and tastes are more diverse. Mm -hmm. And I ran into friends who, beginning in the beginning in the early 1990s, expanded my horizons greatly which I'm forever thankful for. You go to so many concerts, so many shows throughout the years. Is there a band that you're just like, when you saw them for the very first time, that you're like, oh, they're going to they're gonna blow up overnight? I'm not sure there's one. Well, yeah, there are a lot that I've, there are a lot that I've seen like that. Yeah. There are some that I've seen where I think this is really good. I hope they blow up. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of rooting I'm kind of rooting for it to blow mm -hmm. up. I mean, I, you know, I saw uh, I saw a lot of Los Angeles bands in their small club days. Yeah. Um, probably starting in the early 2000s with Silver Sun Pickups. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of the first shows I went to as the columnist as the Buzz Bands columnist for the Times was a show in 2003, I think it was 2003, at the Troubadour, uh, where this hardcore punk band uh, was having a showcase. A lot of record label people were there because um, there was quite the buzz around them. They were called the Bronx, and thankfully those boys are still around. And their <coughs> and their other incarnation, Mariachi El Bronx, is also still around, doing well. And um, those guys were just a lot of fun on the on the hardcore edge. I I loved them, um, and apparently the I mean there was a bidding war for them. Yeah. Uh, back in the, back in the day, 
before record labels started going broke and then for many years there weren't bidding wars and now there are bidding wars again. Um, but anyway, um, that was one of the early, the early memorable shows. Um, you know, I saw one of the early shows that Cold War Kids did at the Silver Lake Lounge playing at midnight with about a dozen people there and the Airborne Toxic event mm -hmm. playing the Echo at midnight with about 20 people there. Um, so there, you know, I was, I see a lot of, um, I see a lot of things while they're still in their formative stages. Yeah. Uh, what, what sets those bands apart? Well, I used to think it was just the songs, but I'm not sure it's just the songs anymore. I mean, yeah. there's a certain, bands have a certain presence. Um, they convey a, a certain thing um, on stage that really, that really helps them. I used to say, and I still believe a lot, that if I, can, if I can leave a club and get to my car 10 minutes later and still remember two of the band's songs, or even one of the band's songs in my head, that's a good sign. Yeah. So, um, I suppose, that's a really, yeah, that's I suppose the first criterion would be have something that's memorable even mm -hmm. 10 minutes later. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good. Right? Right, yeah, I completely wonder. I mean, you go, to a lot, you go to a lot of shows too, right? I do, I go to a lot of shows. And if you, so. and if you step outside on the sidewalk and you have a conversation mm -hmm. with somebody and somebody walks up who wasn't at the show and they ask you, who'd you just see? And you said, and you say, Joe and the Schmoes. And they say, and they ask, how were Joe and the Schmoes? And you can't think of a song in their head. Right. And what are you going to say? You're going to say, oh, they're all right. Okay. They're okay. okay. They got some work to do. <laughs> yeah. If, you know, yeah. but if they got under your skin or, yeah. you know, uh, their tickled, yeah. the tickled the back of your neck a little bit, yeah. then, then you're probably going to remember them. Mm -hmm. so, so you've seen a lot of changes throughout the music industry over the years. Like, well, certainly a lot. I'm not so uh, from a distance, yeah. Because I don't cover the industry a lot, right? Yeah. I mean, so from a distance, from a safe distance, I've seen a, a lot of changes in the industry. Yes. Um, mostly, I've seen a lot of changes in the, I guess, what could be called the Los Angeles scene. Although yeah. it's really hard to say that there is a Los Angeles scene because there's probably about 15 of them. Yeah. Um, but in the overall landscape of music that's made and played in Los Angeles, yes, there have been substantial changes over the years. 15 different scenes, different genres of music, uh, or just groups of people? Well, sometimes they're, sometimes they're genres, sometimes they're just like, you know, there are certain little niches. Yeah that don't necessarily cross-pollinate mm -hmm. with, with other niches, you know? Um, do, you th do you think that's a problem, or do you think it's, would it be good to cross-pollinate? Oh, I'd like to see, I'd like to see more of it, just because yeah. it gets kind of boring otherwise. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, um, you know, that the, these, little, these little pockets of artistic activity are so vibrant and so self-sustaining that it's really furthered 
um, it's really furthered the art of music in Los Angeles a lot. I think, uh, I think specifically about uh, the beat scene, the low-end theory mm -hmm. people. Um, I mean, there is something that is very unique and has gone from being, you know, a niche thing in Los Angeles to something that's on the national and international uh, landscape now. So since starting Buzz Bands back in 20, 2008, going on your own, um, what have been some of the challenges for you? Um, well, the challenge is, the, the major challenge and the ongoing challenge is me, basically an old school journalist, trying to keep up with how things are done in today's technology, in today's world. And I think I've kind of held my own. Um, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm killing it. Um, I mean, my blog is still very old-fashioned and very simple. I hear music that I like or that I think is worthy, mm -hmm. and I write about it. Um, you know, there are not. A, I don't have a lot of sexy videos. I'm not cool enough to have a podcast. <laughs> I leave that to you. I leave that to you. Okay. Um, you know. Uh, well, I really don't think there's like anyone else out there that like, like you feel like this like major like. It's not a vo it's not a void because it's there, but like you feel this major gap in the like the LA music scene. Everyone goes to. You know, well, I'm flattered. I'm flattered to hear that, but no, I. Yeah. I but I'm not. Uh, I don't believe that for a second, because there are other people who do what I do. Yeah. Um, and there are other people who do what I do well. Yeah. So, there are other voices. Yeah. And um, on a daily basis, I'm thankful that that people think that mine matters a little bit. Um, I mean, when so, I'm like, oh, what show? What shows are happening tonight? Well, you can get you can get that. Uh, maybe I won't tell you. You can <laughs> you can get that at three other at least three other local websites. Yeah, but I mean, there's so, there's I mean, I feel like you're covering the music scene in LA very well, and well, either that or it's covering me. Okay. It's smothering me is what it is. Smothering. It's smothering you. me. Yeah. It's too big. It's too big for one skinny guy to uh, to get his small arms around. So there's a lot go there's a lot going on, and I miss a lot. I regret that I miss a lot. I wish that yeah. I I wish that I had a team of eager beaver music nerds who could uh, who could help me miss a lot less. Yeah. But, um, we're trying. Yeah. I'm a trier. That's good. You know what? A, you know what a trier is in horse racing. Oh, no, 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 I don't, I a, don't. A, a trier is a horse who is not a thoroughbred. Okay. Not one of the top horses. Okay. But who races a lot. Okay. He tries hard. That's... So, I consider Buzz Bands to be a trier. <laughs> um, so, when someone submits music to you, or is like, oh, will you, like, premiere my video, um, what... What's your process in that? Uh, my process is basically I make a snap judgment because things happen so, things happen so fast now. And a lot of times when people ask about premieres now and 
uh, I'm actually conflicted on whether to, to continue to do premieres because um, there's just so many of them. A couple other of a couple other websites I know have stopped doing premieres. Okay. Because they found that it affected their judgment about what was good or mm. what might be better than something else. I.e., just because I'm premiering it, I have to get excited about it. You know, the exclusivity adds, the exclusivity of having the premiere adds some sort of cachet to the music that, may, that the music might not have if it wasn't exclusive. Mm. Um, so I'm a little conflicted by that right now yeah. and the fact that I probably get asked routinely nowadays, I will get asked to do anywhere between five and ten, I'll get five and ten premiere pitches per day. Wow. Oh, and that's just, that's not pitching about regular music, that's invitations to premiere something. Right. And, and you know, and if I'm lucky, we'll premiere one thing a day and even I think one, one thing a day might be too many. Yeah. Um, but it's there, we do it, um, you know, and when I hear, with a premiere or with anything, yeah. that's, with anything that's submitted, it's like, um, do I think that? Do I think this is worthy? Do I like it? It helps if I like it. If I think it's, if I like it, and I think it's worthy of broader exposure, then I'll get more excited about it. Mm -hmm. um, if I find it to be redundant with a lot of other music that's out there, I'll. I tend to be less excited about it. If the band's established, then I might be a little bit more excited about it because it's like it's the, it's the continuing story of, right. of somebody who's, of an artist who's already um, reached a certain level. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of, especially if it's an artist we've covered right. in, the, in the past, you can kind of continue that narrative post by post, 150 to 200 words at a time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's interesting, you know. We covered last year. We covered uh, well over 500 different LA bands on Buzz Bands. That's, that's huge. That's uh, yeah. It's it's <laughs> a good number. Approaching two a day. Yeah. Um, I mean, the year before it wasn't quite that many, but it was mm -hmm. it was it was a lot. So we endeavor to cover a lot of ground. I would like to do I would like to do more substantial posts, i.e., more long form things. Um, well, but I don't have time. Yeah. So um, if I, if you know, once again, if I reach the point where I have a team of of music nerds who can help cover a lot of ground, mm -hmm. then I might devote more time to more long form Q and A's or feature stories or yeah, uh, you know, thumb sucking analyses, things things that people seem to like, and things that I see done well on other websites. What what keeps you going? What keeps you coffee. writing? <laughs> yes, I love coffee. One pot before ten a.m. every day, and then a smidge here and there the rest of the day. Yeah. Um, a late afternoon, early evening nap. Um, That's helpful when you're venturing out to go to shows. My dog, my dog keeps me going. Um, baseball, baseball keeps me going. Baseball is awesome. Um, as much as all the things I just mentioned, mm -hmm. one of the things that keeps me going is to just be around the people 
who do what I cover. Yeah. I mean, I'm fortunate to have met a lot of young, not like-minded because they're diverse-minded, um, uh, musicians and artists, visual, visual artists, a, yes. lo a, lo a lot of them, who, uh, if you listen to them, and listen to their stories, um, they give you a lot of perspective on the world that you, other, that you might not have if you sit at home on the couch and watch all those series on Showtime and HBO that people seem to like. Yeah. Is, is there anything, you know, within the artist community, going back to the 15 different music groups or the 15 different pockets of, you know, musicians, is there anything you think that could happen, that more cross-pollination could happen, or...? I think it's difficult. Yeah. Because people's as we saw in the political world over the past year and a half or so, yeah. um, people yeah. settle into their comfort zones. They live in their right. bubbles. Mm -hmm. um, they like being around people who, um, who are echo chambers, who, who, like, who like what they like. Yeah. Um, there's no way to force them out of that either. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, one of the ways is one of, one of the easiest ways, one of the best ways uh, to get out of one's bubble in Los Angeles is to be a festival hoe. Yeah. Because when you go to a proper festival, not a festival that has a theme, mm -hmm. but a festival that uh, has a true cross-section of artists in the lineup, then almost by osmosis you're exposed to other things that might not be in your bubble, that might be outside your wheelhouse. Um, uh, Coachella's been a great experience for me in that way. I've been to yeah. every, every Coachella since 2005 or 2006. I know that any music fan worth his or her salt goes to festivals because they are the greatest thing about Los Angeles. There are so many of them and um, and a lot of them are very budget friendly and I think one of the best things about going to a festival is don't just go to a festival to see bands you like. Yeah. Get out of your wheelhouse, get out of your comfort zone, let your friends who might like something else that you're not keen on or that you're not really aware of, let them drag you someplace else. Yeah. Um, Several years ago at Coachella, I started forcing myself once a day to go to the Sahara tent, even though me and EDM do not have a good relationship. Yeah. And I will spend the better portion of at least one set, at least one time a day, in the Sahara tent because I want to see what it's all about. I want to experience it firsthand. I want to see how people react to it. I want to see how it makes them happy, what, what they're geeked out about, um, and I want to see their silly costumes. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes, it's true. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's entertainment. It is. Darn it. it. Yes, totally. Uh, why do you love music? I ask this to all my guests. 
so. What a silly question. <laughs> well, it's called the I Love Music Podcast. Oh. So, why, why, why do you love music? Are we all not hardwired to love music to a certain extent? Um, it's kind of in our, in our DNA. I mean, you know, I have some friends who are tone deaf. I have some friends who aren't into music at all. Yeah. At all. Um, and, I, and plus, I have some friends who are perfectly uh, happy with whatever music, society, sporting events, television happens to spoon feed them. They're, they're completely happy with that. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but it's like ask, asking me what I like about music is asking me what I like about food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I need it. Yeah. I need it. That's good. What we you, all need it. What do you like? That, well, I mean, that's, that's Jen, why I'm doing this podcast. Jen, what do you like about oxygen? <laughs> no, really. What do, you, what do you like about oxygen? I can breathe. Okay. Oh, yeah. There yeah, you go. Yeah. That's, there we go. Yeah. That is, my, that is my question in response to your question. Okay. Uh, so on Sunday nights, uh, you have a radio show. I do on KCSN 88.5 FM, broadcasting out of sunny Cal State Northridge. I drive out to Northridge every Sunday evening, and I'm live on the radio from 9 to 10 p.m. playing. Uh, I, it's the local music show, so I play all Los Angeles artists. Most of it is brand new stuff. Some of it is stuff that hasn't even been released yet. It's kind of like, okay. That's great. Here's what's here's what's caught my ear, and I'm gonna I'm gonna share it with you. And I've been doing that for over five years now. Happy to be on FM. Um, in fact, I kind of pinch myself. It's like I could never have imagined ten years ago, twenty years ago, especially ever being on FM radio, ever being a radio host. Mm -hmm. um, mainly because in my youth I stuttered so bad. It's like, yeah. how could I possibly be on the radio because I, 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 I'd be telling people, hey, l listen to this. Yeah. And now, and now you have your own radio show. That's, that's fantastic. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. <laughs> I'm privilege to be doing it. It's, um, it's a lot of fun. It gets a good, it gets a good response. Um, a lot of times it's kind of rewarding. It makes me smile a little bit to see somebody post on social media like they're listening to their song on the radio for the first time. It was, you know, the first time that they've ever gotten radio play. Yeah. And they're like... That's huge. They're like in the car listening because their song's going to be on actual FM terrestrial radio, not on SoundCloud, not on yeah. internet radio. You know, it's going to be on actual terrestrial radio where a few thousand people might hear it by accident uh, for the very first time. So that's kind of fun. What the heck? That's so if good. I spent, if I went to all that trouble to make to write a song and record a song and make it sound just so and pay to get it mixed and all that stuff. Hell yes, I would be geeked to hear it on the radio. Yes, definitely. 
I've never written a song in my life. <laughs> I can't play any music. Um, but but if you I, can write about it. I can write about it to an extent, yeah. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, well, well, I, can, thank you. I well, can help enable it. Yeah. Well, thank you for, like, everything that you do for the L.A. music scene. I think so many of us just appreciate appreciate the information well you're making me reviews. you're making me blush but thank you thank you just uh, you know my message to the la music scene is keep doing what you're doing this has been the i love music podcast with jen fedor thanks to kevin for being on the show check out buzzbands.la for all the latest los angeles music news thanks again to the bang ups for the keep walking theme music until next time